Aren't you glad this is my last week preaching in this series? I'm going to do that every single time. It's so epic. I just have to, the, the physical response is the like, I don't know. This is great. Thank you, Josh and our Ashley and all our media tech folks that are much more brilliant than, than you or I at these things and I'm very thankful for their ministry in our church. Amen. Amen. Uh, so welcome to the Porch Community Church. Glad you're here. If you are a uh, guest, uh, welcome. If you're a first-time guest, a special welcome to you. We hope that uh, you have felt loved and welcomed in your first visit with us, if, if this is your first time. And uh, we just want to say how thankful we are that you're here. Um, we, we believe in what God is doing in our midst here in this community. It's a special community, and I hope you feel that. I have felt that for years, even, after, even before we planted the porch out of First United Methodist Church. Um, God, it was on the move in that place, and he is on the move here. And it's not because of us. It is because God has decided to uh, use us in our community to draw people to him and we want to be where God is moving and working we want to be a part of that amen we don't ever want God to come in and just bless what we're doing we want to go and be what a part of what God is doing wherever that is and, and my prayer is that God is always Jesus Christ is always front and center here in everything we do um, that's who we are it's in our DNA and I'm, I'm, uh, my prayer is that you feel that already if you are a visitor and if you're been here a long time, my prayer is that you will continue uh, to be so moved to feel that way and to be a part of what God's doing here. So we are in this uh, series called Exodus, right, um, as you saw. Uh, we're week seven um, of this amazing series. It's been a good series, right? Been a good series. Um, uh, my hope is that it hasn't been one of those things. You know, when we, t- when we talk about Old Testament, right, we, we can, as modern-day Christians kind of detach ourselves from the Old Testament. We can say, um, it's no longer relevant for me. Um, there's a lot in there that just doesn't apply to us anymore. And some of that is certainly true because there's context involved, and you have to know what you're reading, when you're reading, who, who it was meant for, what the context was, um, what the time and the, and the place was, and all that stuff. And that, that's as we grow as believers, we ought to grow in that area of biblical interpretation and knowing what we're reading and not just picking something off the page and picking and choosing what we decide to believe and what we don't. That's dangerous. Super, super, super dangerous. So the, the Bible is a whole word. It is a whole story from, from cover to cover. And at the very center of it is who? Jesus Christ. The, it is Jesus' story that we get to be a part of. Amen. Amazing, amazing story. So, some, so we don't need to detach ourselves, unhitch from the Old Testament, uh, because it all is the gospel. Every bit of it is the gospel. There are things that, we'll, that we have gone through and we've found in this series, and I have found that I've really never even thought of before, that blew my mind. Some of the parallels to the gospel and the life of Jesus that I never knew before, never, never, or at least I never thought of before, and, and those things are not incidental. They are on purpose. They are on purpose. Everything we read is a foreshadowing and a parallel and a looking forward, in, the, in this Old Testament especially where we are in Exodus, a looking forward and looking ahead to 
the coming of Jesus. So every process you see, every story storyline that we read of, every every exchange between God and mankind, everything is setting up the redemptive arc of Jesus coming and taking care of our sin. Amen. So that's where we are. Uh, I love it. Um, it's challenged me, um, and I'm sure Ch- Shannon too is teachers of the Bible to make sure that we get it right and make sure we at least get across what the authors meant. Uh, so we, we, we jump in today, we, you know, so we've been walking through this book and we're really exploring what I would call like hyperlinks. Some of my portal uh, students have heard me say this word before, hyperlinks. It's not something I came up with. I'm actually, um, it's, a, it's a phrase uh, coined by Tim Mackey who does the Bible Project. If you know anything about Tim, Dr. Tim Mackey, he's brilliant. And uh, they make these animated videos. They're not for kids. They're animated videos to explain Scripture and book by book and passage by passage. And it's really an amazing ministry that Tim Mackey, Dr. Tim Mackey has going on. Uh, but he coined the phrase hyperlinks. And there are hyperlinks all over the Bible. One, from one obscure passage in the Old Testament to something in the life of Jesus. They're all there. In fact, Jesus quotes, him, uh, quotes Old Testament Scripture quite a lot. And there, there are the obvious hyperlinks, and there are some that aren't so obvious. But in this Exodus series, this is what we've been doing. We've been kind of connecting the hyperlinks from Old Testament and New Testament. I love it. I love it. I hope you do too. Uh, so today, um, we're going to be um, in Exodus 24, 21 through 24, but we're going to be reading in Exodus 24. So if you want to go ahead and turn there while I'm uh, setting this thing up. Last week, we talked about... We were in Exodus 19 and 20, and um, we talked about the encounter between God and Moses and the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. Now, up to this point, we all kind of, sort of, if you know the the, uh, Exodus narrative, the Israelites have been released from captivity in Egypt, right? Um, That's the one we all kind of focus on. We focus on the moment that the Red Sea parted, which is cool and all, but it's not the entire story. See, what we do in our, you know, uh, childlike understanding sometimes of, 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 of biblical stories, like just like, you know, Jonah and the big fish or, you know, Noah and the big boat, what we do is we, kinda, we kind of take that story at face value and we say, that's it, okay? They parted the Red Sea, God parted the Red Sea, they walked across on dry land and everything was good. It's not true. In fact... In fact, when they stepped over onto land, land beyond the riverbed of the Red Sea, things became worse. Things got worse. In fact, if you look where, if you, you can see it on a map, if, if you look at where Sinai is and then where the promised Canaan was, where they were going from Egypt, Sinai was actually south and back away from Canaan. God was actually taking them further away from where they were getting, they were going. Does that make much sense? Well, it certainly did to God, and there's a reason for it. If you think, if we think that things were better when they left Egypt, they certainly were not. Now, they weren't in captivity anymore, but they were in the wilderness. And the, and the, the Bible describes Sinai, the wilderness of Sinai as worse than where they came from. It was worse now, isn't it like that in our Christian lives sometimes? You know, we, get, we, we, we commit to Christ in all our ways, and we think things are just going to get better for us in life, and sometimes they just get worse. 
wait, 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 God, I committed my life to you. I gave up everything. I want to follow you. And wait, my life is supposed to get better. Things are supposed to get better for me, not worse. What is this all about? Sometimes it is so, is it not? Amen. Sometimes God will take you further away and the circumstance will get worse for the moment in order for God to take you where he has you going. And that's not just a Motivation Monday thing. That is the way God operates. It's just the way God operates. That's God's economy. And so here they are in the wilderness of Sinai and things are certainly worse. Certainly worse. But God in his infinite Love and mercy and wisdom has a plan. So, so today we're looking at the continuation of the events of Sinai and the wilderness there and ultimately the sealing of the covenant between God and his people. They would camp out on this at the base of this mountain for over a year. Over a year. And in, the, in the, that year, God would, uh, Moses was called up the mountain, come down the mountain, up the mountain and down several times. And so Moses has kind of been up on this mountain to meet with God, just him. He, Moses was the go-between. There's another parallel. Jesus, the, go, the ultimate go-between, right, between God and man. Moses, it, there's so many parallels, and they're on purpose. I love it. So we see, we saw in Exodus 21 through 23, we, we see that God gives um, not just the Ten Commandments, but he starts to give all these other um, rules and regulations for living Right, their daily lives. God gives these laws for them to live by, and he spells them out in great detail and how they're to go about their daily lives in, in such a way to, as to keep them pure and to set them apart from the way other people live. Isn't that just the, what the gospel does? You know, God's, the, way, the way God desires to live is set, set apart and separate from the world. Uh, and uh, before this time, before the, t- the commandments were given, there was no moral law at all. It was just whatever you felt like doing, you did. And certainly people did that, including the people of Israel. And so God sets these parameters for them, and he says, this is the way I want you to live. They're not checkbox rules. They are the, regu- the, it's the heart of the, the, the commandments that matters, the heart of them. Now, back then, they were certainly checkbox rules, rules. And if they didn't check the box, all the boxes, they failed. And, of course, we know what happened. They failed. They failed. You and I, probably before we got to church this morning, broke at least one commandment of the ten that were laid out on the tablets. Probably unknowingly. And I know I did. Like, we, we just aren't capable of keeping those rules very well. And, and you know, most of it, it's uh, what we call a, a, a sin of omission, which is we intend to do what's right. We just don't. We just don't, right? Most of it is not overt, like I'm going to rebel against God. Most of it is like I, I, I've neglected to do this. I've neglected to honor God with, with, my, with my family and my, and my money. And I've re- neglected to honor God with my time. I've neglected to do all these things. So maybe that's you. I know it's certainly me. I, don't, I may be the only one in here, but I, it just spoke to me in that way. So these laws in chapters 21 through 23 are basic are basically Israel's end of the covenant agreement. God says, I kept my end by delivering you on eagle's wings out of the jaws of oppression and slavery in Egypt. 
I brought you out of there. I will take you. I'll see you through to the end. Now, your job is to obey. And we said last week, look, it, it wasn't obedience first. What world religions all over the place will say, and the only faith except for the Christian faith, will say you've got to obey the rules and then you will receive the blessing from God. And God will be pleased with you if you obey the rules. That's what every other faith subscribes to, but not us. Ladies and gentlemen, it is God who has delivered us and God has carried us the entire way. God has delivered sin, death, and the grave into the hands of Jesus, and things have been taken care of so that we can live a life of joyful obedience. It's flipped for us. And so here they are. They're, they're going to do their best to hold their end of, of the agreement, even though we, when we read the words, we will obey everything you've commanded us, we know that they're not, and we're not. It's, it's, it's who we are. But God has a plan to redeem man. So let's pick up in Exodus 24. Is that, is that, was that a sufficient intro to where we are? I know it's not long. But we have to set the stage because we need to know what's going on here and why it matters for you and me. It matters. It's not an obscure, just a simple children's Bible story that's full of cool miracles. It's so much deeper than that. So here we go. Exodus 24, starting in verse 3. Moses has been up the mountain several times. God... Uh, put his awesome power on display with fire and cloud and smoke and he sent a message to the people and that he's almighty and he's all powerful and, and we need to have reverence for him. That's something we've kind of lost in our churches a little bit in, in modern day Christianity. We don't have a reverence for God anymore but God is powerful and he can do whatever he wants and so therefore because he's all powerful he can do whatever he wants we need to honor God with our lives. That's, that's, that's kind of where we're at. So he's rescued them from Egypt and he's, and he's made a covenant agreement with them based on what he did not what they did or could do. And the result, ultimately, is going to be entering the promised land. So Moses is called by God to come back up the mountain. And he's getting up. He goes up with his brother Aaron and 70 of the elders of the tribes of Israel. And here's where we pick up. Verse 3 says, Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice, We will do everything the Lord has commanded. Then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. Early the next, the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also set up 12 pillars, one from, for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then, they, then he sit, uh, sent some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings, to sacrifice bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses drained half the blood from the animals into the basins. The other half he splattered against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it aloud to the people. Reading the, reading the scriptures aloud still holds power today. Amen. He read it aloud to the people. And again they responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the people. It's kind of graphic, I know. Splattered it over the people declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant that God has made with you in giving you these instructions. God seals his covenant by blood. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's old enough to say they have a blood brother. Like not a, not a 
biological blood brother. Anybody ever uh, weird enough or crazy enough to do that? Blood sister? And, you know, like a little, you know, you shake on it. Blood brother. Blood sealed the deal, right? Blood sealed the deal. Something, you know, because, listen, blood is the thing. It's like blood is life. We need it to live. I'm not sure. I'm, I pro, you know, probably at some point in my 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old self, you know, you know, I've watched too many movies. So I'm like, shake on it. We're blood brothers now, which means absolutely nothing except you just mixed your blood together and it's gross and, you know, it's just gross. Oh, let's watch this all. Okay, we're good, we're good. But blood is life. Blood is life. Leviticus 17, 11 says, for the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is in the blood, it is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. At the core of humanity's relationship with God is blood. In the Old Testament, we see that God's people had sacrificed all kinds of animals, clean animals, and the blood of these animals would, would, would atone for their sin. But it was only a temporary solution. See, Jesus came and shed his own blood to atone for sin. Once and for all. Amen to that. If you'd never heard that before, you were some remote part of the world, and somebody explained to you for the first time what that meant, you'd jump out of your chair. Amen to that. There is power in the blood, right? We sing the old hymn, there is power, power. You know, it's funny because uh, when I was a kid, you know, we, the you know, we didn't have words on the screen. We had them in the hymnals. And at some point, they, they transferred to the screen. And so we're, we're locked to this screen, aren't we? We're just locked to the screen. I'm locked to that screen back there. You're locked to this one. Just so I don't mess the lyrics up. I still mess them up sometimes. I have chronic lyricitis. I just want you to know. I will mess up a lyric. But it's funny. I, it always used to perplex me with this particular hymn. They would spell power. P-O-W apostrophe R. Power. <laughs> it's a little like, it's like, you know, our southern accents, they take over on it. There's power. And my, you know, my choir director in my church would say there's pyre. P-I-R-E, pyre. <laughs> but there's power, power, wonder-working power in the what? The precious blood of the Lamb. And it's certainly a reference to Jesus, but the hyperlink is here where they took a, a, a blemishless, spotless lamb, at least physically, and they would kill it and spill its blood. And if that seems strange and weird, it is. But that is the cleansing agent that God set up temporarily. Four things I want you to, to take note of here when it, concerning blood. And I want you to write them down or just make a, a note of them. Just, you know, you know, hold your phone up to the screen when they come over. And just, you know, the, the, I, we don't write anything down anymore, most of us. So there you go. Do whatever, do whatever you like. But these four things I think are important. Number one, the blood delivers, right? The deliverance of Israel was a, was a, was a process. And, and God 
in his, in his wisdom and, and the way, the forethought that he had supplied blood for the atonement of sin and, and it delivered them. The blood was the a, part of the agent of deliverance for Israel. Number two, the blood covers. You know, they covered the altar, covered it with this blood. The blood covers all sin. Amen. And I want you to know this is a fundamental thing that we don't, we, we don't grasp quite, but we need to. Here it is. The blood covers your sin, all sin of humanity, past, present, and future. All sin is covered, past, present, and future. When Jesus spilt his precious blood, it wasn't just from that moment forward. It was the whole sin of the whole of humanity. Praise be to God for that. When we don't appreciate it enough, if it seems like I'm beating a dead horse, sometimes we just need the horse to be beat a little bit more for us to get it. Not real horse. Apologize for that reference. But you know, this might be just something that's a reminder for you. And, And the reminders are great too, by the way. If something you've heard before, you say, oh, I can check out because I've heard it. Um, I don't think any of us would benefit from checking out. The blood delivers. The blood covers. Number three, the blood seals. The blood seals. It seals. With the shedding of blood by Jesus and our acceptance of that sacrifice, we are sealed in the redemption of Jesus Christ. We're sealed for eternity seal. The blood seals. And number four, the blood protects. You know, my, my old preachers used to say, plead the blood, young man, plead the blood. Plead the blood. It's kind of an old, old school, you know, thing that we don't hear a lot anymore. Plead the blood, young man, plead the blood. What he was trying to say was, the blood's important. The blood of Christ is important. Pray it, the power of the blood of Jesus over your life, over your family, over your job, over your career, over your circumstance. Plead the blood. That's not a superstitious thing. There is power in calling on the blood of Christ to do its thing over and over. Now, it was once and for all, but man, doesn't mean we don't need to pray it every day. It was once and for all, but we need to get ourselves in a posture of enjoying and celebrating and pleading the blood over our circumstance, pleading the blood over our lives. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 9, 12 through 22 says this, He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Blood seals, there it is. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant, much like Moses was the mediator of the old one, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For we were, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. 
This is the explanation of why blood is so important to the redemption story of God and the way he set it up. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when, it, for when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and the vessels used for worship. And here, verse 22, I love this. Indeed, indeed is kind of like a... a, a a literary exclamation point before the, 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 the declaration has been made. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is what? No forgiveness of sin. This is why the blood is so important. This is why we worship and sing songs about, we've been singing them all morning, songs that refer to the precious blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10 Verse 1 says, the old system, the old covenant, the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the things, the good things to come. Not the good things themselves, the sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sin year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God... You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Lord, I have come to do your will, as it is written about me in the scriptures. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second one into effect. See, this first covenant here at Mount Sinai was temporary. It would last a few hundred years, thousand years, thousands of years until the day Jesus came. And certainly when he went to the cross and finished that work. Verse 12, but our high priest, meaning Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. For by that offering, that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. It is all about the blood. It is all about the blood. There is power in the blood. Our faith does not hinge on your belief in God. Our faith does not hinge on your belief in God. Christianity is not about, just about believing in God. Our enemy, Satan, the devil, believes in God. He even believes in Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. What separates you from him? The blood separates you. The blood separates us. It is not about having a, a, a head, a physical head knowledge 
a mental, emotional knowledge of, of that God exists. And that, you know, that my life's going to be good if I, you know, put my trust in God. That's what some would call therapeutic deism. Therapeutic deism. I believe in God, and therefore he's, my life is going to be okay. That's not, that's not the message of the gospel. Friends, it's deeper than that. Our faith does not hinge on the belief in God, on your belief in God personally. It hinges on the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you. That's why we celebrate that at Holy Communion. If you remember back in Exodus 12, Janet Shannon preached of the first Passover where, where the Israelites would put the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe so that the angel of the Lord would pass over the houses and spare them judgment. The blood was the key to that. Every house that did not have the blood painted on the, on the doorframe, the firstborn would die. The old covenant required the spilling of blood of animals, but that was the temporary fix. Jesus would be, would be the perfect, once and for all, atoning sacrifice. And his shed blood would be the final triumph over sin and death. That's super important for you and me. That's what we ce- why we celebrate Holy Communion together. That's why we sing the songs. That's why we, 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 we celebrate the, lo- the blood. We, pre- we plead the blood over our lives. We thank Jesus for his blood. Without the blood of Jesus, we are still subject to the old way, which is it's just doomed for all of us. There's just no way. There's just no way. You know, we can go without sinning consciously for a little while. But man, if you look over those 10, just the, just the first 10 rules, the, the commandments, at, if you just go to the end of the day here and look at those 10, you probably will find one that you broke. Just in a day. There's just no hope for us to be good and, and, perfect and, 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 and pleasing to God within, in and of ourselves. There's just no way. The Bible says there is nothing good in me, not, not, not one thing. There is none righteous, not one. Jesus is righteous. We place our faith in him because of that. Now because of the cross and the empty tomb, through the blood, you and I have life. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his what? His grace. And of course, the, the beautiful passage in Isaiah 53 that we um, quote a lot at, at, at um, Easter. says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Blood equals life. I love this Andrew Murray quote. He says, of all the glorious things that the blood means, this is the one that is most glorious. His blood is a sign, the measure, yes, the impartation of his love. The blood of Jesus delivers us from death. It covers all of our sin. It seals us for eternity, and it protects us from the enemy. The blood of Jesus still has the power to save to cleanse and restore. Thanks, thanks be to Jesus for his blood. We sing this song. Kendall leads a song here at church um, often. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. 
brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Then it says in the bridge, there is nothing stronger than the wonder-working power of the blood that calls us sons and daughters. We are ransomed by our Father through the blood. This morning, as the band comes back up, we're going to get back to worship, but I, I want you to I want you to think about this for a second. How often do, as the old preacher would say, do you plead the blood of Christ over your life? How often do you thank Jesus for his precious blood? You know, for, for us, it might be a weird thing. Blood is a, is a, is a, is a strange, um, you know, it can be gross or, you know, we, we see the physical nature of shed blood. We watch too many movies, first and foremost. But that blood is precious and precious. This morning, my, my, our application this morning is for you and I to look to the blood for your redemption. Don't look to your own belief about God. Don't look to your own way about God, your, your belief system about God. Because, look, it's not, about what, it's not about you. It's about him anyway. It's not about me. The, the covenant was not initiated by my belief in God. The covenant was initiated by God and God alone, delivering me from a helpless place, from death even, to bring me into life. To bring me into life. We need to look to the blood, not just our belief in God. Number two, we need to pray the power of the blood over our sin, our family, our workplace in our home and to pray the power of the blood over our circumstances and number three finally man we need to celebrate the blood of Christ it is through the power of the blood and the blood alone that you and I have life a death for a life the death of God himself the son of God me if that doesn't put us in a place of humility I don't know what else can I want you to bow your heads with me we're going to continue on in worship in a second let's pray Heavenly Father in your, in your goodness and your mercy you sought us out and you have sent your son your precious son to be the atoning sacrifice for us. You took, Jesus, you took our place in this. There's something incredibly powerful about that. And Jesus, when we did not deserve it, when we deserved only death, we received life. Thank you, Jesus blood we praise you for your sacrifice we say we're, we're sorry for how much we have messed this thing up for how we have done things our own way and we've lived life on our own terms to you Lord Jesus have offered a way to be made right forgiveness for sin so Jesus come in this place and do what you do. We, we plead the blood 
We thank you for the blood. In your name we pray.